after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descending from heaven came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has been raised from the dead and indeed is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings! And they came to him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. A friend of mine stopped by my office before the Monday Thursday service. In the conversation she listed, she didn't have the time or energy to lament. She listed the heartbreaking situations that were affecting her life these days. At the end of the conversation, she said, Thank God for Easter. Amen. Thank God for Easter. We need Easter. I don't know what we'd do without Easter. Our faith, our life hinges on Easter. Now I've done the math. I realize that 27 of Matthew's 28 chapters aren't about Easter. Most of what we know of Jesus' life, most of what happens in his life, happens in three years' time and then the one week up to Easter. Percentage-wise, Easter is a fairly minor part of the story. But story-wise, Easter makes all the difference. I went home after the Monday Thursday service and turned on a television show about the life of Jesus. You'd expect a preacher to do something like that. If it helps to break up the cliche, I was ironing while I watched it. <laughs> there on TV was Jesus, handsome, of course, perfect teeth, just like you'd expect a first century Palestinian man to have. There he was, teaching, healing, multiplying bread and fish. And as I watched, I thought about his unyielding focus on love and forgiveness and reaching into the lives of the people who were neglected and forgotten and abused and scorned and hurting 
And I realized, well, three years of that wasn't enough. I watched the scene where they were getting ready to stone the woman caught in adultery. And and to challenge Jesus, they said, "Our, our law commands that we stone this woman to death. What do you say? And Jesus picked up the stone. And so he's considering it. He takes a moment. The tension rises. Will he do what the law commands or will he be compassionate and merciful the way that he was gaining a reputation for being? And he says, I'll tell you what. I'll give my stone to whoever among you has not sinned. The one man who was in a position to condemn The one man who had not sinned was unwilling to condemn the easiest one to condemn. And I thought, we need more than three years of that. Watching Jesus act in ways that sided with the hurting, I thought how we could admire his work, be glad about his brief, Movement, honor one more good guy from history. Even be grateful that he died for the sins of the world. But if not for Easter, if not for the resurrection, we couldn't live his teachings, follow his ways, find hope in despair. We couldn't do those fully because what he taught and how he lived And the hope he gave were grounded fully in the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is grounded fully in the hope of resurrection. In the kingdom of God, the mournful are blessed because they will receive comfort. In the kingdom of God, the last are first, even though in no earthly way are they ever first. In the kingdom of God, the Lord of all washes feet. In the kingdom of God, a man looks to the very people who are crucifying him as they are crucifying him and forgives. In the kingdom of God, even those who die will live. In the kingdom of God, mourning and crying and pain will be no more. And when we can trust that that is our future, we can live the kingdom now. We can sacrifice. We can share. We can serve. We can forgive. We can accept the diagnosis. We can endure the grief. We can stand up for what is right, even when it is costly. We can do those things because we are not beholden to this life. And we are not subject to a dead leader. We are empowered by a living Lord. 
We aren't existing on the memory of a man who once lived. We are living in the spirit of a man who continues to live and reign. And when we get that, then suddenly our world shifts. It's like an earthquake. We had an earthquake at our house one April. The previous summer, I had learned the earthquake was coming. It's nice when you have seven and a half months warning. As the months passed, I could actually see the earthquake approaching. We began to make preparations. Food was gathered. Bottles were brought in. A bed was assembled. Little clothes filled a closet, and then bigger clothes started to arrive. The whole situation was taking its toll on Sally. She began to look different. A good different. Please hear that. A good different. She glowed, you might say. In April, that earthquake hit, and everything has been different since. There's never any going back to life before the earthquake. In April, March, who knows what month, 2,000 or so years ago, a far greater earthquake hit, and every Thing has been different since. This earthquake wasn't limited to a house, family, even a region. This earthquake was universal. Suddenly, everything shifted forever. Thank God for Easter. Before the shift, before the quake, the women arrived at the cemetery. Stone was in place. Everything was as it was expected to be. And then suddenly, it all changed. The earth quaked. The stone was rolled back. Jesus wasn't there. He was out. He couldn't be contained. The guards who had been sent there to keep him in the tomb were the ones who became like dead men. They were the ones who needed the cemetery. The women were filled with fear and joy and suddenly Jesus appeared to them and they fell to their knees in worship. Worship is the first response to the living Lord. And following is next. Jesus tells the women to tell the men, meet me in Galilee. A dead man doesn't meet people anywhere. And a man looking to use the resurrection for his own benefit doesn't go to Galilee of all places. Jesus would meet the disciples back where it all began, back where the need for the mission was greatest. They would take resurrection hope to people who thought the movement had died. They would say to the beaten down, Rome may beat us up, but they cannot beat us. They'd go to the outcast and show them, you may be a nuisance to them, but to us you're a child of God and that makes you a brother. That makes you 
a sister, they go to the morning and say, your grief is real, but it is not eternal. It is not all that defines you. They'd go back to Galilee, back to minister, but they would never again go alone. They'd go as they were sent, with the one who sent them, the one who said, I will be with you always. And suddenly, all that he taught and all that he lived would continue. Thank God for Easter. I stopped by the parking lot mission yesterday. There were a good many central folk out there serving breakfast, handing out some things. One of the ladies who had shown up to get a hot breakfast, toilet paper, a few other items, bread. She came up beside me and said, how are things going? And I could tell it wasn't just a typical greeting. It wasn't a how are you that really means hello, don't tell me. I said, you know, it's been a tough week at the church. And she said, like someone who knows what tough weeks are like. Some weeks are like that. But it always gets better. And there on a cold and rainy holy Saturday was one more hint at the resurrection. Thank God for Easter.